everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're both sewer rats watching the Volturi up to their same bullshit. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What is new after our week off? Um, nothing too much new in my social life, but in my professional life, your girl beat a dead man's face for the first time. And I mean that like makeup wise. I don't literally mean it. Um, I did my first uh, funeral cosmetics on like a week ago, a couple days ago, and it went super duper well. I was super proud of it. I was really nervous, but it ended up looking really well. And look, I know my coworker does not listen to this pod, so I'm just going to say it. He did half of the face and I did the other half and my half looked better. And he even said it. He was like, well, this is kind of embarrassing for me. Your half looks better. And I was like, no, it doesn't. But in my head, I was like, yes, it does. So (laughs) I was really proud of that. I'm really proud of that, too. What does that kind of makeup look like for a male, like a traditional male? Like, do you put lip stuff on or anything? We do, because like when not to get too graphic, but, you know, the blood settles in the body. So you do lose a lot of color in the anterior parts of the body. So the lips are just really pale. The skin can get really pale. So, I mean, for men, it's mostly just adding color, I would say. And this person did have some like discoloration on their face. So it was kind of like color correcting. And yeah, like with with, like women or other people who would want like an actual like eyeliner, lipstick, like that kind of stuff. Obviously it's more of a traditional makeup look, but you're mostly just trying to make it look like a normal face, you know, at least like acceptable for the family and recognizing their family member. Right. Is there anyone that ever doesn't do it? Sometimes families will ask, like it usually happens with men, like older traditional men, like I don't want any makeup on their face, like no makeup, but it's also like I, you you would want makeup on the face. Like I don't think you would want to see what the person looks like dead for a couple days. You know, like the makeup isn't to like look like they're wearing makeup. The makeup is to make it look normal. So usually people are okay with it, or at least they don't necessarily know that we're doing cosmetics. And the kind of like the trend right now in funeral stuff is cremation is like the big huge thing that people are doing so at least at my funeral home it's smaller like a lot of people don't even like do a viewing they just do a direct cremation so a lot of times cosmetics aren't even a thing that we have to even worry about yeah I was gonna say I'm gonna put on record literally do not let anyone see me dead except for those who are absolutely necessary However, if you are somehow involved in the process, I want you to do my eyeliner before cremating me. (laughs) Absolutely. When I was doing, when I was working, when I had done the cosmetics, um, my coworker, he was like, oh yeah, like, do you have any background with makeup? Like, are you a big makeup person? And no, I'm not. Like, I have a few makeup items, but 
I'm m the main makeup thing I do is eyeliner. Like that's like my trademark look is the big winged eyeliner. So it was like, I mean, I don't really wear a lot of skin makeup, but I can do a mean winged eyeliner. So if this family specified they want this, he was like, he was very like a very masculine kind of guy. Like absolutely no way his family would want winged eyeliner. So it was just like a funny joke. Like if you want me to do some wings on this guy, we'll happily do it. But yeah, if if anyone wants me to wing their eyes after death, I will happily do it. What about before death? I mean, I'll do that too. Okay, just checking. <laughs> um, it feels like forever ago because every day feels like it's 30 years in this pandemic. But we did have our Netflix party actually for real this time. And I just want to do a quick little recap page of what you can remember. Um, what do you thought what you thought about the movie? I, oh man, it was so long ago. Um, there were just so many meme-worthy moments in the movie. Things that stuck out to me. Bag of eggs. I am obsessed with Emmett's bag of eggs. I will never forget the bag of eggs. Um, Kristen Stewart nailed Bella. Like, she is a very good Bella. I don't understand all of the very precise facial things that she did the whole movie like all the different like eyebrow lifts and lip chewing and like kind of like spastic movements I didn't quite understand that but great Bella interpretation I still I'm 10 out of 10 um the one part where Edward does his like disgust look do you know the do you know the one I'm talking about where he like recoils and is like has like this disgust look on his face I think they're in the meadow when he does it um wait are you talking about not the first time he smells her no no he does like a I think it's when he's doing his whole like as if you could run away from me like that whole monologue he does this he does this face I'll I'll send I'll I know I can find a clip of it but it's so disgusted and like he does like this like nose like scrunch it up and then like Bleh. I cannot get it out of my mind I I don't know what Robert Pattinson I don't know what was conjured within him that made him do that but I will never forget it <laughs> that's funny also James super creepy the actor who played it I literally cannot believe he's the same guy that's an easy A I know, it's insane, right? And then on a less funny note, um, I can't remember who brought it up. I think it was Hannah. But um, Hannah had brought up that in, I guess, New Moon or even Eclipse, that they had the indigenous actors cut their hair. And I did not know that that was a thing. That dumbfounded me. I was like, my jaw was wide open. I did not know that that had happened. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So it was very upsetting. Yeah. So thanks for thank you for letting us know because I I had no idea and it just it further makes me want to shout out the Quilutes and support them and also um shout what's shout out but in a negative way call out I guess call out the Twilight producers. Come on, guys, we can do better than that. I mean, not that we can. It's over, but unacceptable. Um, was there any, like, characters that, like, 
you really liked that you weren't expecting to like or like their the actor's performance you were like pleased with or whatever or the opposite I guess I don't know why but I always pictured Esme having like long gray hair I don't know why I pictured her looking like an old woman but when I saw the actress who played her I was like that was not what I had in my head at all in regards to Esme um but I am obsessed with the actor who played Billy freaking killed it that one scene where charlie and billy are like roughhousing each other while jacob and bella are talking i wanted to weep that was so cute um charlie nailed it whoever you are actor wise um i still like i said i think Kristen stewart nailed bella i think that she was a really great actress choice like i think that she portrayed the character very well um and i am very excited to see more of the jasper face Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Separate, but I hung ornaments for my ceiling to decorate for Christmas, and they're all over the place. And I hung this one, like, sort of just barely in reach of my cat's, like, cat tower, you know, those things. And um, it's in the hallway, but my door is open, and Mila just knocked it down. So if you heard, like, a loud bouncing while Paige was talking, I didn't want to interrupt her, but that's what that was. I didn't even hear it, so... That's good. Um, earlier, one fell from the ceiling and I caught it like Spider-Man. <laughs> it was insane. She had freaking vampire senses over here. Yeah, what's the one where, what does Victoria say? I'm the one with the wicked curveball or whatever the fuck. Mm, I could see it. I could see it. She does say it in the movie. I, get, no, I'm, I don't remember it, but I can picture her character saying that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so thanks to everyone who came to that. It was super fun. I also, just another quick thing, why is the actor who plays Mike Newton look like he's, like, 13 years old? Sad. He's so nice. Yeah, he does have a baby face, though. It, the most... it wasn't an insult. It was. It's just a, an observation I made. Like, he literally looked like the youngest person there. No, I think he was, like, all their age. I think he just has a baby face, but this is going to knock your socks off. He auditioned for Edward originally. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. What if he got Edward and Robert Pattinson got Mike Newton? Oh my god, that'd be so ridiculous. Also, in the interim between recording, we got a lovely email from Friend of the Pod, Jem. Um, Jem, thank you so much. When I read it, I literally screamed, and then I like had to crawl into my bed so that the emotion would not overtake me. Yeah, I was I scheduled to work a 12-hour shift when I when I read that email and I was like hour nine of the shift and Emily texts me and she's like, I know you're having a long day, but you've got to read this email. It'll it'll make everything better. And I was in a Catholic church nearly weeping and not because of Jesus, because of the email. It was literally like so sweet. Probably by when you hear this, we'll have responded. We're going to respond to you via email, but. I know Paige likes the game that you were talking about, so. Yeah, when I saw Life is Strange, I, like Emily, I also screamed because I got into that game, like, almost two years ago, I want to say, um, and I played it in, like, 48 hours. I was obsessed with it. I don't want to spoil anything, but, Jem, I know that you're going to know what I'm talking about, and I want to brag about it. Um, there. So this game is, like, I don't know how to describe it because it's not like a game that I've played before, but it's broken up into five 
chapters. So each chapter is like, it's still part of the game, but they're different, almost like installments. Like you had to get by each chapter basically. And there is a part, I believe it's at the end of chapter two. It It's very intense. Um, it involves... I'm not I'm not even going to spoil it. Jem, it's like the cra- it's like one of the most intense things that happens and it's very challenging. I did not know that it was very challenging and I succeeded. I did the thing that you are supposed to do and then I found out later that it's extremely hard to do the thing that you're supposed to do. One of my my old roommate asked me, "Oh, did you did you do that thing?" and I was like, "Yeah, I did that thing." And she was like, "Wait, you actually did it?" And I was like, yeah, was I not supposed to? And it's like, it's like a super, super hard thing. So I just want to brag. I did the thing and I'm really proud of myself for it. Jem, I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but everyone listening, please go play Life is Strange. It's like feel good, coming of age, super intense, crazy plot twists, like kind of true crimey. Um, it's just super fun, kind of, I don't want to say feel good because it is kind of like, dark at times but it's a really fun game and I would definitely recommend it is it like on a computer or mm-hmm. and you can play it on mac or pc gang gang turn up mm-hmm. all right so this past time while we were away we read chapters 21 and 22 of new moon can you believe we only have two episodes left after this two chapters and an epilogue so what did you think of these two chapters? They were called Verdict and Flight. Okay, I have three, well, I'm going to say four main points that I got out of these chapters. Point number one, I've said a lot of trash talking about Stephanie Myers, but one thing is for sure. Sister, sister came through in Verdict in giving me one of the most horrible things I've ever read in my entire life. The ending of Verdict, and I, that's, I'm not trying to be funny. The ending of Verdict was so horrible, but not in like like a bad way. It was just like the content made my stomach drop. It was sickening. Sister, sister served up the horror, okay? That was That was horrible. It was a horrible thing to read. Very scary. And good job on that, Stephanie. You really, you really had my gut wrenched. Point number two. Charlie needs some goddamn relief in this book. I in these books, plural, poor man is going through it. I feel so bad for him. Every chapter I feel like I say, I feel so bad for Charlie. He is just trying his best. I, he has no idea what's going on, and he's trying his best. I want Charlie to have some relief. Point number three, nothing says I am in a healthy relationship with my boyfriend. This is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Like the ultimatum of either A, I get killed, or B, I get turned into a vampire. This relationship can only end in one of two ways. And I know that this this is love. This is real love when I know that this is these are the only two outcomes of this relationship. 
my heart is a flutter with these emotions. Um, and then point number four, I hate Arrow. <laughs> I hate him so much. Why is he like that? Why, why is he always laughing? What is this weird power dynamic? It's not weird. I mean, I get where the power dynamic is coming from, but I don't like how everyone calls him master. I don't like that he's always giggling. I don't like that he's touching and kissing people on the mouth. And I, I actually, I don't know if they, he kissed them on the mouth. It may have just been the cheek, but I don't like the touching. This is what I'm picturing, okay? Picture me, I'm Marcus or Caius. You know, I'm I'm living, I'm sick of all of these happy-go-lucky people in the 1700s, always having a good time. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to lay low. But all these people out here having a good time, being loud, I, I'm sick of it. Why are you happy all the time? Stop it. And then I get to turn into a vampire. I'm like, okay, well, I'm immortal. I can hide in the darkness, whatever. I don't need to have friends. But no, for thousands of years, I have to live with this motherfucker over here who's always laughing and finding so much joy in everything and touching people and kissing me and wants to know all of my memories ever. I would be sick of him. I would want to throw him in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, okay. A hard agree to all of that. I, a few things about Arrow before we jump in. It always felt performative to me. Like, he's not actually that happy. But maybe, maybe, I don't know. We'll see what you think if we encounter him again. But also, I don't know why I never noticed this before in reading this book. But this is the very first time that I realized that Stephanie described him as having, quote, onion skin. And I could not unsee it. I was just picturing him walking around with the head of an onion. He's stinky. <laughs> it was so disturbing to think about. Last thing I'll say, and this might be controversial. I know how you ladies like to tussle. There is sexual tension between him and Jane, and it's gross. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And that was like, that was one of the things that turned me off almost immediately that gave me the creeps. Is Jane... I mean, maybe this is clarified later and it's a spoiler, but is she a child or is she she grown just small? I think it's maybe in the like illustrated guide, her actual age, but I don't remember it. It's not ever said in the series, but I just always assumed she was like 15. Yeah, I don't like it. What, whatever it is. I mean, I don't care if you're immortal. I don't like it. Yeah, and her and Alec walking down the, like, freaking hallway holding hands like the Shining Twins. Like, can we not? Yeah, it was, like, it was weird vibes all around. But I will say, Jane's power, pretty freaking cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be really bad later, because it's already pretty bad now. But, like, a badass power to have. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Okay, well, let's do it. So, the last chapter left off with, they were coming into a room. And basically they have to go through like six more rooms. I don't understand the purpose of them going through so many rooms, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I did want to point out that you were correct and that it does say word for word on page 464 that Edward is still shirtless. So yeah, I did. I did pick up on that and I was like, there's no need. He had his shirt all along. It, it 
the previous chapter described that he had taken his shirt off and it was on the ground. He could have picked it up and put it on. I feel like it's more conspicuous of him to be a walking around shirtless. I mean, not anymore because they're in the sewers, but like he could have put it on at any time when they were above ground. Yeah, and then they give him that weird cloak when they're leaving. Go Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> totally. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't care about any of this. They're just walking through rooms. Although they do come across a woman that we find out is named Gianna. So before you kind of knew what the dealia was with her, I mean, Bella says that she's human. What did you think was kind of the tea on her? Do you have any thoughts about that? I kind of figured that she knew what was, like, she was almost like Bella-esque. That she was Italy Bella. Because um, it just felt like there would be no way for her to not know. You know, all the vampires look a certain way and they don't look human. They're all beautiful. Like all these people are being brought in all the time and then they're screaming. Like there's no way for her to not know. I mean, I guess once we hear the screaming, we know that she's a human. But I just kind of figured that she was Bella-esque, that she knew what was going on and she was just sticking around because she was trustworthy. And like, she's just kind of doing like, I, like front man stuff, you know, like she's the face of the organization and she looks like a human. So that made sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will just be honest with you here. She does not ever come up again, but I want so much more info on her. I'm like, was she getting paid? <laughs> if so, like also how was she just chilling with seeing like hundreds of people walk in and never walk out? Cause that's pretty rough. I, I guess the the allure of vampirism outweighs the cons which i mean not that i'm defending the cullens but in bella's case she knows that the cullens that that being a vampire it's possible to not kill people she know like she knows there can be some civility and some normalcy I would say of vampirism but Gianna's just like I want to do this I want to kill people I want to be a part of it so I would like to know more about her what 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 is so alluring in this life that that you're drawn to immortality really you want more of this because I'm sick of this maybe she's in love with one of them and we just don't know about it I mean if it's if my Italy Bella theory is correct. I mean, that's probably valid. Yeah. Yeah. Yike. Okay. So we meet Alec, who Bella says could be Jane's twin. Again, I think this is in the guide, but I think she is Jane's twin. I don't remember, honestly. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in this chapter, but um, so they keep walking through more rooms and Alec and Jane are holding hands. And then finally they come into, um, it's like a circle. Didn't they say it was a circle? Yeah. Yeah, like a huge castle turret. And everybody and their mother's in there. So this is when we meet Arrow. And let's see. I'm just going to read a brief part of his description. I couldn't decide if his face was beautiful or not. I suppose the features were perfect, but he was as different from the vampires beside him as they were from me. 
His skin was translucently white like onion skin and looked just as delicate. It stood in shocking contrast to the long black hair that framed his face. I just... That really... I don't know how I never noticed that. (laughs) I... It's so creepy because all of the vampires are described as beautiful. And I feel like this setting him apart from the other vampires makes him seem almost like sinister in a way to me. Like, not that the not that the other vampires are less terrifying because they're beautiful, but the fact that he's not beautiful, that he's almost like like she 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 can't decide if he is like i guess yeah i mean i guess his features are perfect but he looks creepy like it makes me it makes me feel uneasy about him yeah yeah agreed and they say later on when marcus and Caius come in that they look like him right at least a little bit i think yeah their faces had identical paper thin skin why do you think those three look so different I had two theories. One, I felt, I think Bella even says this, that maybe because they're so much older that there's some effect that that has, or that they're like royalty, that their strength or their their power, I guess, like their ranking sets them apart. Okay, I like that. Um... So yes, so as Paige was talking about earlier, Arrow's just going through his weird routine. Also, his name is pronounced differently by different characters in the movies. Most people say Arrow, but some people say Arrow, just so you know. I think it's annoying. Um, He keeps kissing everyone. He knows who Alice and Bella are, and at first we don't know why or how. Um, And then he, Arrow kind of apologizes for that, and he says, I feel like I know you already. Um, because I have a talent sort of like Edwards and Edward explains that he can hear every thought that anyone has ever had but he has to be physically touching you Arrow would not want to touch me (laughs) (laughs) like he would touch me and he'd be like damn why are you why did you spend so many years thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh this way Oh my god. What way? <laughs> Don't say it, I already know. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, okay, so <laughs> Felix had been sent off to get Marcus and Chaos, so he brings them back in. And Arrow is like, Look, Bella's alive and Alice is here. Isn't that wonderful? And they're both like, the fuck? And they just, like, come in and sit down. And um, there's this interesting little piece about Marcus um, where Edward says that he has a talent of seeing, quote, seeing relationships, which is weird. What do you think about that? Yeah, I didn't really, like, understand that. Like, see it how? Does Does he get the emotional feeling inside of him? Or does he like like visibly see in his mind how the relationship is. I I wasn't sure what it quite meant by that, but the fact that he can see well when it says I I wasn't sure I think it's 
Alice that says he can see relationships and he's dumbfounded by ours. I wasn't sure whoever is saying it, if they meant like Edward and Alice or Alice and Bella or just the three of them together. Like I wasn't sure which relationship they were specifically talking about that he was confused and a little amazed by. And also I want to know more. Like I want to know like physically how does he see it? I'm pretty sure the books do get into that. I don't really remember. I mean, I know a little bit more. So somehow I found that information out. But Edward says it. And I always took it to mean that he was talking about his and Bella's. But he's saying it to Alice. So maybe he just means all three. Yeah, that's see, that's why I was confused. Because my mind immediately thought Bella and Edward. But the fact that he's saying it to Alice and says hours I just I wasn't sure if he was like like the family's relationship or all of their relationships together I figure it has to do with Bella because that is the most interesting of the three you know yes yeah um then Arrow and Edward have this brief exchange where he says this word that's in Italian or these words that are in Italian which we later find out means like his singer, um, which is how they refer to someone who appeals to a vampire the way that Bella appeals, Bella's blood, I should say, appeals to Edward. And then Arrow says that he remind Edward reminds him of Carlisle, but he's more angry, which is really funny. <laughs> um, the whole time Edward just seems like impatient, like he's like, let's get this over with, which I'm like, if I was him, I would just be acting a lot nicer because I I would want him to spare my life. But that's just me, I guess. Yeah. And also the woman that you love is there and your sister whom you love. And I don't know, maybe a little more kindness could go a long way here. <laughs> would it kill you? <laughs> I mean, in Edward's case, yes, it would. That's funny. So then Arrow tries to see if he can read Bella's mind, and he can't. And it's funny how she says um, the co- like his the face he makes kind of you can tell it bothers him more than he lets on because she says Arrow's face altered as I watched. The confidence wavered and became first doubt, then incre- incredulity. Is that how you say that? Incredulity. Before he calmed it into a friendly mask. So then he wants to see if Jane's power, which at this point we did not yet know about, works on Bella. And Edward freaks out. Bella's a little slow on the upkeep here. (laughs) Like, I can't lie, she doesn't know what's going on at first. But basically Jane's power is to, like, cause people intense pain just by looking at them. So she tries to do it to Bella, but Edward jumps in front of her, so then Edward gets the full force of the power and he's just like laying there in pain and Bella's yelling at Jane to stop. Alice is like restraining Bella and I'm like what was she gonna do in a room full of vampires like also I I'm laughing at the idea of Alice needing to restrain Bella. Like Bella is just so strong in this moment that she needs restraints, you know? Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> this this part makes me wonder. Um, I know that in Twilight, Edward was saying that Carlisle had hypothesized that the vampire powers are or were 
reminiscent in their human lives, but got amplified when they became vampires. So I'm like trying to wrap my brain around what were Jane's human abilities that got turned into this? What he, what was she doing in the human world that somehow morphed into this? I don't know. Truly is a mystery. And I never actually thought about that. So I would love to know as well. Um, while we're on the subject, because, okay, so real quick, Edward is out of the way now. So Jane tries to do her power on Bella and it doesn't work. And Jane is very upset. So, question. Why do you think that Alice and Jasper's powers work on Bella, but people like Edward's and Arrow's and Jane's don't? That's a good question. I never even really thought about it. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, Bella must just have some some shield to her that blocks these powers. I didn't even think about that Jasper's and Alice's work. Maybe it's, maybe it has to do with like how those powers are used. Like obviously Jane's is aggressive and is used to hurt others. Obviously it's a very physical power. And I feel like Edwards and Arrows could be used to take advantage or to, like, have the upper hand in situations to, like, best the person that they're trying to use it on. Whereas Alice and Jasper use their powers to help. So I don't know if it's some kind of protection, her, her own body protecting her from things that are going to hurt her. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I like that. Um, I think I had a note. Oh, okay. So after this whole charade is over, Arrow says, so what do we do with you now? And he basically goes around and asks all three of them if they want to join the Volturi. And I can't with Bella because at the top of 477, she says, was he joking or was he really asking me if I wanted to stay for dinner? I'm like, neither of those things. <laughs> what the fuck? She's so dumb sometimes. <laughs> I Every once in a while, Bella gives me the vibes of the high schooler. And I mean, this was totally me. So I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on people. This was me. The high schooler who is like really into vocabulary and reading and like, having the appearance of being smarter and like more how do I want to phrase it like not sophisticated but just like I'm a little better than you and a little more like educated and uh wiser than you and can say all these quippy things offhand without even having to think about them because I read books like every once in a while Bella gives me that vibe and this is one of those moments yeah honestly it kind of reminds me of myself a little bit because I like to think I'm pretty smart like I got good grades and all that shit and I know a lot of like just trivia and shit like that but I will be the first to tell anyone who asks that I have no common sense. And so I always say that I'm the dumbest, smart person you'll ever meet because I literally have two brain cells when it comes to shit like that. 
Okay, so Arrow is actually asking if Bella wants to join the Volturi and be part of their group. And Chaos is kind of like, what the fuck? He's mad this whole time. He clearly dislikes Edward and Alice and Bella. But to explain himself, Arrow says, Chaos, surely you see the potential. I haven't seen a prospective talent so promising since we found Jane and Alec. Can you imagine the possibilities when she is one of us? And Bella just says, no, thank you. (laughs) And then Chaos tries to be like, okay, well, then you have to die. Like... You, Bella knows too much and like obviously like the, basically they say that Edward and Alice could leave and be fine but obviously they wouldn't leave without Bella so yeah I'm picturing this is not important at all but what a funny book spinoff if Bella was like yeah I would love to and then she joins the Volturi and is just living it up in Italy without the Cullens I'm picturing like Lizzie McGuire for some reason as Bella. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So, yeah. So then basically, Case is like, so you have to die. And then Arrow says, unless you do intend to give her immortality? Question mark. And Edward says, and if I do. And Arrow says, why, then you would be free to go home and give my regards to my friend Carlisle. And even though, as Paige was talking about earlier, even though he's literally faced with death of himself, the love of his life, and his sister, Edward's still like, I don't know about all that. Like, he is not agreeing to it. All, I I know that Arrow can see people's thoughts but just like a few minutes of acting that's all it takes just pretend for just a couple minutes that's all you have to do literally (laughs) and Alice is like I'm done with this shit and she goes up and has Arrow touch her hand and presumably he sees Bella as a vampire in one of Alice's visions and believes it Um, Which Bella's kind of surprised by because, you know, he's like, maybe he doesn't realize how subjective the visions are and, like, anyone's change of mind could, like, really affect that. But, I mean, apparently he doesn't. Also, do you know how overwhelming that exchange must have been um, to have him hearing every thought she's ever had, which already is overwhelming, but then also every vision she's ever had, which we know is overwhelming, having a like, brief glimpse into her brain in Midnight Sun, like, Bella thinks it takes forever, but I'm like, I'm surprised it didn't take a whole day of, like, them just listening, quote-unquote, to each other. Yeah, I did not think about that, but I can, I'm picturing Arrow, like, shutting down, like, a computer. Too much information, I need to restart. My god. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely have to shut down, too. I will say, though, uh, going back to what you said before that about um, how the Bella is interpreting Arrow touching her and seeing her thoughts as like seeing the visions. But in my mind, the way that I read this as was Arrow is just reading her thoughts like 
Alice is like, hell yeah, I want to fucking change Bella. I want to be vampire friends with her. So if Edward's not going to do it, I am 100% going to do it. I mean, she was just talking about that a couple chapters ago, that she's ready to go with it, basically, that she's wondering why she hasn't even done it at this point. So I'm, when I read this, I was just picturing Alice was like, fuck this. I mean, I'm, I'll let him read my thoughts because I'm in this 100% and I will change her. Yeah. Um, I hear you, but also I would direct you to page 480 at the top. Um, Arrow says, to see the things you've seen, especially the ones that haven't happened yet. And she says, but that will. Yes, yes, it's quite determined. Certainly there's no problem. That's what made me think he was like seeing a vision, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be both. Like, Alice is thinking... Yes, I will change her. Like, this is the visions that you're seeing. I will make them happen. But then also, he's probably also seeing the other outcomes as well. Yeah, true, true, true. Good point. Um, okay, so Chaos is mad, and Arrow's like, calm down. Maybe they'll join us later on. I'm like, <laughs> what makes you think that they would do that? But whatever. This This whole exchange is why I said the thing at the very beginning, why I feel like they're sick of this guy's shit. Like, I I can totally picture Arrow doing this, like, once a month. Like, let's just have him join. It could be fun. I don't know. Like, let's just try it out. And Case is like, can we not, please? I hate these people. Let's not do this. And Arrow's like, but think of the possibilities. Oh, my God. That's funny. Um, not really related at all, and not kind of a spoiler, but not really. But the person who they picked to play Chaos in the movies never made sense to me. The ones they picked to play Marcus and Arrow made a lot of sense, and I thought did a good job. And it's not that this actor did a bad job, but do you remember young Grindelwald in Harry Potter? Like, young, blonde. He's not in it much, but he ended up briefly marrying the girl who plays Ginny, like in real life. I don't think it lasted very long, but that's who plays him. And he's like young. And I'm like, this is weird. I don't know why they picked him. Can I Google image it to see what he looks like? I'll just do it right now. His name is like Jamie Campbell Bauer or something like that. I mean, they put a lot of makeup on him, but he still looks young. He looks like his baby face. I know. Let me pull up another one. This is him, like, in the movie. He looks even younger in that photo. I know. It's so ridiculous. I never understood that. Anyway, okay. Beside the point. But Arrow tells our little trio here that they are free to go. And all of a sudden they're kind of rushing because, as Paige mentioned earlier, they're about to basically murder a bunch of unsuspecting tourists who thought they were getting like a cool tour of something underground in Italy so that they can feed on them. Stephanie did not have to throw that woman at the very end. That's what killed me is that she fucking knew what was going on. She knew that something was up. Yeah. Um, Paige is referring to one member of the group. I'll just uh, read her description. And this is Bella talking, obviously. I noticed one small dark woman in particular. Around her neck was a rosary, and she gripped the the cross tightly in one hand. She walked more slowly than the others, touching someone now and then and asking a question in an unfamiliar language. 
No one seemed to understand her, and her voice grew more panicked. And then she says, Edward pulled my face against his chest, but it was too late. I already understood. So obviously that happens. Um, I know this is really dark. I'm not trying to make light of it, but I do got to say. <laughs> Heidi, I have, she has been my dream. Her outfit, her aesthetic, her everything since I read this book as like a fifth grader. I have wanted, some girls read this and wanted to be Bella. I wanted to be Heidi. And you know what? Now I am because I grew into my features and I turned out hot. <laughs> so I was real ugly when I first read this book. Did you want to get purple contacts? I really did, yeah. <laughs> Nothing is stopping you from doing that now. That is true. That is a good point. I totally agree that her aesthetic is 10 out of 10 miniskirt. Yes, mother, please. Um, what I didn't understand, I mean, I guess colored contacts are like a little more common nowadays. But if I had seen someone with purple like I'm assume what I would assume to be purple colored contacts in like 2007. I would I would be like why, why are you doing that? I it would be a little like I w- I would question. I would already be a little on edge. I feel like. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like Stephanie's giving her a lot of pretty girl privilege in that she's so beautiful that people are like probably looking past it or whatever. Yeah. And Bella says that she's being used as the bait. So basically, the person that gets all these people to trust her and come in to be murdered. So that's basically the end of that chapter. I mean, it's talking about the screaming. I think we all understand what's happening here. So then the beginning of the next chapter, they're out in the lobby, quote unquote, the lobby again with Gianna. And Bella is, like, having a freak out. And I just, I, once again, I got a lot of hot takes this episode. I do got to say, I totally understand her having a mental breakdown and being very upset about what she has just witnessed. But Bella not knowing her own sounds is getting a little old to me. Like, the whole thing where she was freaking out in her house and she was like, I guess I shouldn't say sounds, but just like reactions where she was like, the couch was shaking like there was an earthquake, but it was actually Jacob. And here she's like, there's a weird sound. Then I realized it was me. I'm like, I don't know. It just feels very maudlin to me. Yeah, I. Or not performative, but almost a little dramatic in a way, like it's too much. That's exactly how I feel. Not saying she doesn't deserve to freak out, but it's like, you know that you're the one making that sound, and we all know it. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, Alice has a really great idea that I just, I needed to read it out loud. It's on page 486. She says, I think she's having hysterics. Maybe you should slap her. <laughs> yeah, that was like kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> It made me laugh out loud. It was so non-Alice-like. It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of sounds like something in, like, a movie that someone would say. So, basically, they just hang out in this lobby because they're not allowed to leave because, obviously, Edward and Alice would have to be outside in the sunlight, and that would give them away. So, they briefly discuss Gianna, and I think we pretty much covered how she wants to be a part of the Volturi. 
and Edward and Bella are just having a moment that is disgusting to me, how they're having this gross reunion and, like, touching each other's faces, which, imagine if you saw this. Like, regardless of the circumstances, imagine if you saw this in public. It would be like that vine where it's like, is that allowed? Stop it. (laughs) My thoughts are when the times when I was in a long distance relationship, when I got to see my significant other for the first time, we hugged each other for a long time. Like it wasn't holding each other's faces in our hands and tracing fingers along the cheek and the jawline. It was like, like being in each other's arms, you know, like a big hug or like leaning on each other on the couch or like just being close. You know, I, I've never been in a relationship where I've wanted to just finger my way along their face. Please never say that again. Please never say that again. I was going to say my fifth hot take, or I don't even know, I've lost count at this point of this episode, is that it's just Stephanie's built up sexual tension that is, has no way to release. The vibe for me is that Stephanie's love language is physical touch and it is not what her husband wants to give to her. So she has to release that in some other way. Ugh, yike. That's probably accurate. <laughs> um, Alice is just kind of there. Poor girl. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. They're just really just sitting here. They're just talking about stuff that we already went over um finally Alec comes out and he says you're free to leave now we ask that you don't linger in the city and Edward's like don't worry about that I'm like, okay once again not necessary to your vampire overlords but whatever so I did have a note that I took while reading about how they're like kissing or whatever he keeps like kissing her hair and forehead or whatever you know that gif that's like that black lady and she makes that face and then she's like and she grabs her purse and she walks out that's the exact face that I made when I saw that I was like I'm fucking done here kissing hair makes me think of when Tina like accidentally gets a piece of my hair stuck in her mouth and then she's like trying to get it out of her mouth like I why would you kiss someone's hair it does not make any sense yeah you could just say top of head like it would be less weird yeah I Stephanie needs to learn a I don't even want to say she needs how to learn how to write sensually because clearly this did it for a lot of people back in the day so much so that 50 shades of fucking gray got written so I don't know I'm just uncomfortable. I'm glad that we're both uncomfortable and you're not, like, into it, because then I would feel like an asshole. If Edward Cullen was a more likable person, maybe I would be, but I already don't enjoy him very much, so I'm already on edge. I'm already, my spears are up. I'm on the defense with it. (laughs) I think that you were trying to do, like, a sports analogy there, and I didn't really understand it. It was more of, like, a war analogy. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm just gonna say, even if he was a better person, I wouldn't be into it. It's fucking weird. It's teenagers. Okay, anyway. 
Okay, so they're leaving the city. Alice disappears to go get hers and Bella's bags. And then later on, she steals a car. And they're talking about the Porsche 911 Turbo that she loved so much. And Edward says that he'll get it for Christmas because they are money hoarders and he can do that. Girl, just run. (laughs) It's too late for her. (sighs) Okay, so then... Basically, they just make the long journey back. So they take a flight to, let's see, Rome, and then Atlanta, and then Seattle. And Bella stays awake the whole time. And all I got to say about this is, and I quote from my notes, us bitches with narcolepsy could never. I've said this many times that... This book is about vampires and other supernatural creatures, but this is the most unrealistic thing and the like the most unbelievable thing. I take it all back. This book is about vampires and werewolves, but this is the most unbelievable thing that Stephanie has ever written. No way would sister be able to stay awake this long. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. Me neither. And she says she's doing it so that she doesn't lose any time with Edward because she's like, he's going to leave when we land. So I got to enjoy myself while I can. Not to be depressing, but have you ever been hooking up with someone and having a grand old time? But you're like, this is never going to happen again. So I better just enjoy it. I can't say that I have. I looking back on times, I can see it now. But not during the time, because I had hope that <laughs> it wouldn't be the last. <laughs> and that's the difference between me and you, optimist and pessimist. <laughs> Mine is more so desperation. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay. So finally, they get to the Seattle airport and... All the colons are there. Well, at first they don't know that Rosalie and Emmett are there because they're in the parking lot. Um, Carlisle and Esme thank Bella for, you know, basically saving Edward's life. And Esme yells at Edward, as she should. So then when they get to the car, they find out that Emmett and Rosalie are waiting there. And um, Esme makes Edward and Bella ride with them so that um Rosalie can apologize so what did you think of Rosalie's apology here this is the Rosalie that I've been waiting for I'm I feel like this is going to be a turning point um I just like I can't see her going back to being so spiteful and un unlikable after this like she she feels very genuine in this I didn't feel like it was deceitful or anything she's she genuinely feels really bad and knows that she put a lot of people in danger with what happened and I really I did really enjoy this I wasn't expecting it so it was it was really nice to read yeah do you want to just read the brief paragraph of what she says sure Bella Rosalie asked softly my eyelids fluttered open in shock it was the first time she'd ever spoken directly to me which I never kind of realized that, that she hasn't really talked to Bella ever. That's kind of crazy. But I'm glad that the the first time that she's actually 
genuinely addressing her is something actually kind of nice. Yeah. Anyways. Yes, Rosalie, I asked, hesitant. I'm so very sorry, Bella. I feel wretched about every part of this and so grateful that you were brave enough to go save my brother after what I did. Please say you'll forgive me. The words were awkward, stilted because of her embarrassment, but they seemed sincere. Of course, Rosalie, I mumbled, grasping at any chance to make her hate me a little less. It's not your fault at all. I'm the one who jumped off the damn cliff. Of course, I forgive you. Yeah, it's a nice moment for sure. Um, Bella finally falls asleep in the car ride back to Forks. So then it's very brief, I'm sure. Well, I already know, but it's clear that we'll get more of Charlie's reaction later on. But they arrive at Bella's house and just imagine how terrifying this would be. Your daughter's basically incoherent. You don't know what's going on. You don't know where she's been because all she wrote was Edward's in trouble. Gotta go. Like, you don't know she's been to another country. And also the guy who like made her scream every night for six months is here with her. Yikes. Yeah. And Alice has reassured you that he's not coming back. And Bella has reassured you that he's not coming back. So this is a shock for him. Yeah. He is yelling at Edward pretty good. I just got to say some of his lines because they're very funny. I can't believe you have the nerve to show your face here. Don't tell me what to do. Give her to me. Get your hands off her. Then Bella says, be mad at me. And he says, you bet I will be. (laughs) So then um, Edward just bargains with Charlie that like Bella needs to sleep. So he carries her up the stairs and he tells Bella that he'll be close by. And then she falls asleep. And that's the end of the chapter. Did you have anything that we didn't cover? The only thing, it's super minor. It just kind of stood out to me because I did not understand it at all. And I had to look it up. But on the top of page 495, um, I'm going to read the sentence. It actually starts at the bottom of page 494. But the part that stood out to me was on 495. But perversely, I bit my tongue against the flood of questions. My reasoning was probably flawed by exhaustion, but I hope that by postponing the discussion, I could buy a few more hours with him at some later time, spin this out for another night, Chezerizade style. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation of that. Um, Scheherazade, perhaps, but I did not understand what that meant at all, so I looked it up, and apparently Scheherazade is the wife in... Uh, the book, um, I wrote it down here, um, in Arabian Nights, and she's the sultan's wife, and every, she tells such amazing stories, basically, every night that the sultan doesn't kill her, like, she's just so interesting that he puts off the inevitable a little bit longer, so I was like, damn, Bella is throwing out some, some, terms out here she's smart but again going back to what I said earlier every once in a while she does a little something where it's like I'm better than you and here it is (laughs) you're so right yeah honestly I just breezed right past that I took it for granted because that was um and also referenced in the book that I wrote my thesis on which was called Midnight's Children and it's in one of the most famous quotes and one that I probably used like four times in my thesis but I was like yeah Anyways, keep it moving, per usual, as I do. 
I mean, if I knew what it was, I would completely understand what she was getting at. But I didn't know what it was, so I wanted to look it up. Totally, yeah. And I'm glad you did, because there's probably some listeners who were like, I don't know what the fuck that is either. Um, Next week, we're just reading one chapter, but it's pretty, it's not hefty, but it's a little bit longer than the chapters we've been reading. It's called The Truth. This is going to be too much Edward. I already know it. We had a whole book without his long monologues, without his his attitudes. But this is going to be, he's he's back, baby. There's no way he's leaving again. He's going to be here now for the rest of it. I, this, is, this chapter is going to be him giving Bella the explanation as to what's been going on in his life. Like, and also kind of, I feel like what the future is going to be. Okay, do you think he's going to, like, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this question. Like, do you think he's just cool with being with Bella now, or, like, what? I think it's going to be different. I don't think they're going to jump right back into the kind of relationship that they were in in Twilight. That I feel like maybe they'll have to work their way back to that. Because, I mean, clearly Bella wants to jump heels first in. But, I mean, Edward knows at this point, I mean, at the end of Verdict, I think it was Caius, maybe, or Felix is like, we'll be watching you. And you best believe that we're going to, like, keep up on that shit. So he knows that there has to be some conclusion to the Bella story. Either she has to be killed or she has to be turned into a vampire. So he he has to make a decision which one he would rather have. I feel like he wants neither. Um, so I, I feel like there's, I, I don't think it's going to be them in a relationship immediately. I think he's still going to be a little withdrawn, but I think they'll work their way back. Okay. We got two more books. So <laughs> she said in an excited voice, <laughs> I'm smiling so big. <laughs> She's frowning. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I do not remember who did socials last time, so I'll just bop right through them real quick. Um, we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod. And our email is TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. Anything you have for us, any memes, any thoughts, any feedback, any questions, we always, we just love it. Whenever we see our little Tuesdays Are For Twilight accounts lighten up it's nice it's a good feeling we like it so if you feel so inclined please do that um more importantly please support the quillute tribe and their efforts to move their cultural lands to higher and safer ground you can find all the information and how to spread the word and donate if you're able at mthg.org Paige, what is our conclusion today we are almost at the end of the year, people, just a little bit more, and then it's going to be 2022. So I, I want us to get through these last weeks with some inspiring words. It's about drive, okay? And it's about power. We stay hungry and we devour. We will put in that work and we will put in the hours and we will take what's ours. I can't stand you. <laughs> I am done with you. 
Maybe we'll see y'all next week for chapter 23 of New Moon. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.